You say the Lord's way is not fair. Hear now, house of Israel, is it my way that is unfair, or rather are not your ways unfair? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So recently I've been preaching with just usually some notes or um, usually nothing at all but the scriptures in front of me, but you know, today I have to want to go back to a full printed text, uh, especially given the topic and the, really the precision and the detail that is, that is required, because I don't want to leave anything out or say anything uh, incorrectly. So bear with me. Uh, so first I want to begin by you know, telling you a story about a friend of mine who recently gave birth to two twin girls. She's a little, little older than me, a year or two older, and uh, she's a good Catholic mother with three children. She's a good wife. And I'm sure she could not have been happier. She was looking forward to giving birth to these girls. At 19 weeks pregnant, she noticed she was beginning to give birth. Obviously, that's a dire situation. And over the course of some days, she discovered that there was not much that could be done at the hospital to prevent this. In fact, several hospitals had refused uh, to take her precisely because the babies were so young. There was nothing they could do or would do to save the babies anyways, according to how these hospitals normally operate. Finally, she found a hospital that would take her. Now, these babies were under the viability age, as defined by the state, New York State. And so, according to the hospital, if those babies were to be born at 19 weeks, they are simply considered already dead. The babies, in fact, were, in fact, born at 19 weeks and five or six days. The hospitals would do nothing to help these babies survive, not a thing. When the babies came out, they had their little hands and feet. Not with webbed fingers and toes, but normal-looking hands and feet. They had a mouth, nose, eyes, and holes for the ears. I saw the pictures. By the grace of God, her husband was there to be able to baptize these girls as they were born. Both of the girls had died in about a half hour after birth, kept safe in the arms of their parents, and been given the promise of eternal life in baptism. The hospital could not even issue a birth certificate for these babies. As if we are being told to believe that our eyes are lying to us when we see a human life. They had a heartbeat, and their hands and feet were moving. But they still issued a death certificate, for sure, for the various things for which one needs that. When I finally had the chance to talk to my friend, and she told me all this, she knew full well what our faith teaches about baptism and so forth, but she still needed to be assured at such a time. And I assured her that she got to witness firsthand, to witness two souls enter heaven without any doubt. They were freed of original sin. They were made new creatures and filled with sanctifying grace. So I tell you the story now, one just happened a couple weeks ago, but also because we have an election coming up, my friends. We have grave choices to make as to the direction of our country and our state. The moral aspect of voting is not limited merely to whether one votes, but also extends to for whom you vote, 
In our country, and in every state, it is perfectly legal to kill babies, as I have just described, at 19 weeks, for any reason. And in New York State, if there are fetal abnormalities, as they define it, according to the law, then abortion can occur at any time. New York State also allows for partial birth abortion. There are seven states, plus Washington, D.C., that have no limit, no term limit. Life begins at conception. And at that moment, an immortal soul is united to a mortal body. That is a baby. That is a person destined for the knowledge and love of God. And while the stain of original sin is inherited by generation and removed by baptism, the child is nevertheless innocent of any actual sin. This is very different from any one of us. Each of us here have reached the age of reason, as certainly us adults here, have willfully at some point sinned, perhaps more or less than others, or more gravely or less so than others. None of us here may be guilty of a capital crime worthy of death, but strictly speaking, none of us here are innocent either. And one can argue about the application of the death penalty, for example, in terms of human dignity, especially for those who commit the worst of crimes. But carrying out capital punishment on a convicted killer is not in the same order, not in the same level at all, as the killing of someone truly innocent, as I've just described. Yes, it is true that abortion is, a, is not just a tragedy for the baby, but for those who choose to abort as well. This action is chosen for all kinds of reasons, all of them painful, and all of them seemingly justifiable at the time, given so much fear and uncertainty in the minds of women who choose this. We can never discount that pain. We can never cease to help those heal who have the emotional and psychological wounds of such a choice. Compassion and mercy heal wounds and win souls. But we also have to ask ourselves, how we got to this point. Why do we live in a world where there is fear in pregnancy? Where a mother doesn't know where she's going to live or how she will feed her baby, and so she feels her best option is to abort that baby? How do we allow such a world to exist where hundreds of thousands of babies are aborted each year just in our country? In 2011, there were over one million. That number has decreased each year, down to 20, in the year 2017, down to 860,000. That's over 65 million since the Roe versus Wade decision. That number is incomprehensible. The answer as to why is that <clears throat> it is easier for the rest of us, if we are honest. Most people can look the other way, knowing that a barbaric practice is occurring all over the country every day rather than change our culture and way of life. We built a culture on individuals rather than families. We accepted the use of contraceptives, which totally distorts how men and women view each other. Contraceptives which then view babies as an accident rather than as a result of a loving union. We then accept abortion, essentially as an extreme form of contraception, when all else fails. And now we are at a point where every possible distortion of the proper understanding of the human person 
and of sexuality is pushed upon us by a culture that has rejected God, his laws, and a basic reality of the human person. It's a straight line. You say the Lord's way is not fair. Is it my way that is unfair, or rather are not your ways unfair? We can imagine our Lord saying that to our nation. Why can't we build a culture of life? Can we build a culture where every life is celebrated in its uniqueness and beauty? Where women who have nowhere else to go can find a community to support them and do what is necessary to help raise a child? We have a long road ahead of us. My point is that laws matter, and our laws can change. Our laws serve the function of teaching us right from wrong and forming our moral views. For example, I can guarantee that people's views, even Catholics' views, on so-called gay marriage has become more favorable over the years as that has become legal and widespread in our culture. This is somewhat of a fringe issue just 20 years ago. We cannot continue on raising children in a world where abortion is legal. It must be abolished. Can we imagine a world where a woman becomes pregnant and is just built into our culture and our minds to ask, what can I do to help? What can I do to help her to be happy about this baby or to help find a good home for this baby? We have a long way to go. Because at the heart of it is the restoration of the family at the center of our culture. People tend to blame one political party for only caring about babies in the womb and blame the other for not caring enough about babies in the womb while supposedly caring for babies after birth. It's not really on politicians to fix the problem in the end. Yes, abortion must be banned in all cases and resources, financial resources should be allocated to help people in such situations. But it is on us, because we are Christians, because we are human, to demand a stop to this massacre and to do what we can to eliminate the conditions that make people think it is even an option. The United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, the bishops of our country, uh, have a document out entitled Forming Consciences for Faithful Citizenship. It's on the, right on the front page of the website right now, the USCCB's website. And it gives us some good guidelines as to how to vote. For example, in paragraph 63, the bishops tell us, some, quote, some issues involve principles that can never be abandoned, such as the fundamental right to life and marriage as a union of one man and one woman, end quote. And they go on, quote, abortion and euthanasia have become preeminent threats to human life and dignity because they directly attack life itself, the most fundamental good and the condition for all others. Abortion and deliberate killing of a human being before birth is never morally acceptable and must always be opposed, end quote. Part of the reason telling you these things, not only as I mentioned about the story that I began with, but also as, my, as a priest, my responsibility to help form consciences, 
as all the bishops of this country tried to do on, the, on these particular issues. So early in the document, they, they go on and say this, quote, human life is sacred. The dignity of the human person is the foundation of a moral vision of society. Direct attacks on innocent persons are never morally acceptable at any stage or in any condition. In our society, human life is especially under attack from abortion, which some political actors mischaracterize as an issue of women's health. Other direct threats to the sanctity of human life include euthanasia and assisted suicide, sometimes falsely labeled as death with dignity. Human cloning, in vitro fertilization, and the destruction of human embryos for research, end quote. We have a political party and a presidential candidate that is promising to increase access to abortion and to make all of us pay for it with our tax dollars. No one in good conscience can vote for such a candidate. To do so would be to cooperate in that evil, given that there is another legitimate option. How we view the most innocent and vulnerable people shapes our whole vision of morality and forms the basis for our views on every other issue. This is why abortion is the issue, not just one issue, as Catholics are sometimes accused of being single-issue voters. It, make no, it makes no sense to speak of health care for all while we can take the lives of the most vulnerable. The USCCB's document on faithful citizenship does tell us that at times there can be a dilemma for a voter when all candidates hold the position that promotes an intrinsically evil act. There's not the case here, because as I have said, not all issues have the same weight, and some issues, such as the right to life, are more fundamental than others, in fact, the most fundamental. We have a real opportunity here, my friends. We have an opportunity to reverse course, it is certainly not the case that we put our faith in some government or any particular man or human leaders. Our faith is in Christ. Our faith is in Christ. It is his love and sacrifice which serve as the model for our lives. It is on us, by his grace, to build a culture where his love reigns. It is on us to build a true culture of life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.